Hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast, where we discuss Blizzard games. I'm your host, Matthew Rossi, and with me this week, uh, we switched it up a little bit. Um, we have a new co-host filling in for a week, so uh, let's just introduce him, Mitch Mitchell. Uh, hey, Mitch. You like hey, people, how's it right? going? I don't have to call you I, Mike. No, no. Okay. Uh, just Mitch, sure. though. Just Mitch, not Mitch Mitchell. Okay. Just Mitch, no. I mean, you can, but... No, I want to. I, I honestly do want to do, you know, what you want to do. I just, I know I make a big deal out of not wanting to do what you want me to do, <laughs> on on streams and so forth. But I don't want to like, misname you or anything. It's cool. Yeah, Mitch is good. Hi guys. Mitch will be filling in. Um, also this week, oh, she's always here, always has been here, always will be here. I'm starting to think she's some kind of incarnation of everything Blizzard Watch. Uh, she does Yeah. I'm a miasma. <laughs> I'm just sort of like. I'm just Here. everywhere. I'm Eternally. Everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> All right. Hi. So, how have you guys been this week? Let's go with Mitch first because, you know, this He's is new and interesting. Talk, yeah. Mitch, talk. Oh, gosh. Um, I've been busy with, you know, IRL work, but uh, I'm playing Heroes right now with Zol, and he's awesome. Like, I think he's labeled as a specialist, which I thought he was an assassin. But, um, yeah, he's cool. He swings a scythe. Talking just got me killed, but it's cool. That's pretty much what's going to happen when you play Heroes while you Wait, do a podcast. Wait, are you playing while you're on the podcast? Because that's like a no-no. It's it, it. I'm playing with AI, so I can die. Okay, but it's a no-no. <laughs> it's a no-no? Just don't tell us in the future. Let us believe we have your attention. By a no-no, my... I mean don't tell us that you're doing it. I'm not doing anything except enjoying the wonderful company of my co-workers right now. Okay, there you well, go. there you go. That's how you lie to us. There, Zola's there. Yeah. the one. He's like the necromancer from... From Diablo 2, yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, I hope they do more of that. I hope they bring in more Diablo 2 characters. Mainly because I would like them all to have names. Because up to Diablo now... Diablo 2 ones aren't in D3, though. Um, That's true, but that doesn't really change anything. I was just, I was just curious. As far as I know, none of them are. Um, The, the Paladin definitely isn't. Uh, The Barbarian might be, if you squint. Uh, they, they was originally that was going to be the barbarian and in Diablo three was going to absolutely be the one from Diablo two. Then they were like, okay, we're just going to make him an old barbarian and leave that up to your imagination. I would actually right. love it if they came back and said, nope, that's him. He is the, he's the guy from Diablo two as well. Um, just because it gives him a different dynamic. I like to imagine that the male barbarian from Diablo th- Diablo three is the female barbarian from Diablo three's old crusty dad. And that the two of them occasionally go out murdering stuff together, and she's like, father. Like, I know I saw how that man looked at you before you decapitated him. But yes, and then I decapitated him. Are we going to have this conversation again? Look, there's more monsters. Dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would love that. I think mean, that would just be awesome. I mean, then they could get their own cartoon whenever Blizzard eventually starts their own cinematics TV station that they're going to start at some point in my head. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You've really given this a lot of thought. Yeah, oh yeah, you've got ideas. I, like, I, like you've given this a lot of thought. I played. I, I'm not playing right now, but when Diablo three came out, I played it like a lot. And then I like, and when they when Reaper of Souls came out, I immediately started playing it a lot again. Diablo three is one of those games that like I play like when the content comes out, and then I stop, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Like some people get upset if they're not playing a game constantly, but for me, it's like. No, I I still love Diablo three. I just don't have a reason to play right now. I got my character at a max level. I got it the stuff I wanted to get it. I'm I'm done. That's that's kind of how it was for me. I played when the the original Diablo three came out. I beat the whatever normal difficulty, 
And then I pretty much stopped until this most recent season, actually. Like, I've had Reaper of Souls for a while and just never found time to play the story. And I kind of jumped back into it with the stream. But, yeah, it's I'm, I'm perfectly, perfectly content just kind of playing it on and off. Yeah, it's. I think it's one of those games that really works that way. It's not like, you know, some games, you, they seem to continuously draw you back in. But with Diablo, I play it kind of like, like I watch a Netflix show. I sort of binge play it. Like, okay, now mm-hmm. I will play Diablo 3 until I'm sick of it. Oh, now I will go play some other game until I'm sick of that. World exactly. of Warcraft has been unusual for me. I don't know how you guys are about World of Warcraft, but I have been playing it pretty much nonstop for years. I I have never unsubbed from WoW. Like, I've always... I've kind of dipped in the amount that I play, but I've never unsubbed. I've always... I'd say this is probably the expansion lull where I'm playing the least, but that's mostly because I have other Blizzard games to play more than ever. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I unsubbed once for, like, a couple of months. That was, like, my... I'm going to unplug from the game for a couple of months and take a break because my guild went through a really messy and terrible kind of explosion and it just Ugh. wasn't good so yeah that happened i've been through those yeah so i was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna just like unplug from all of this for a little while so i gave it a couple of months and then i was like okay i'm gonna go ahead and plug back in and yeah i've been <laughs> subscribed ever since but then you know tokens so yeah <laughs> all righty then uh, at this point we'll move on to talk about some top stories uh, first one I'm going to mention is a personal one. It's that you guys did a Bioware podcast and no one mentioned me. Or okay, well, talk to Liz about that because <laughs> it's her baby. <laughs> Just so sad. Yeah. I, hey, hey, man. But yeah, the uh, first episode of our podcast discussing like Bioware games went up. I think the post went up yesterday on the tavern. Yeah. Uh, it's called Swords and Shields. Our first episode just talks about Mass Effect 1 a lot. Mitch is on it. I'm on it. Liz is on it. And you should go listen to it. Yep. So, if you're at all interested in Mass Effect 1, we just went off. <laughs> yeah, someone was asking, it does, uh, it's basically spoiler for all of Mass Effect 1, but nothing yeah. after. Yeah, because um, Mitch hasn't finished the rest of it yet. Exactly. So, we're getting his impressions as he's playing, which is kind of yeah. fun, too. So, um, I guess we're going to get another one of those out in like a couple of weeks or so, probably. Yeah, now that we actually have the the things set up and their artwork and stuff it'll probably because we recorded that one a while ago but didn't actually get it set up or it took a little while to get set up but yeah but anyway um so that is available to listen to and like i said i think it was a tavern post yesterday and it's called swords and shields i'm not sure if it's up on itunes yet it will be if it is not already and also this week um well actually the past couple of weeks we've had the roller coaster back and forth drama on the water strider mounts. Oh jeez. First oh, they were going to be out entirely on the alpha, then and the legion in general. Then they were back but only limited to specific zones and now they're just going to be working uh, the way they worked before. And uh, and I feel like I should clarify they weren't going to be out entirely like they weren't removing the mounts, they were just oh. removing the water walking functionality. And only in like like they weren't going to work in Legion, I think. Well, originally, originally yeah. it was supposed to be the water walking functionality was just gone. There was no water walking functionality, and everybody went, "Wait, that's why you get the mount is because it walks on water. It's no, it, a water it, strider." Uh, and then they came in and they, and they or excuse me. I think no, the original right. one it, was it they only entirely. one worked in Draenor, right. one worked the Azure in Pandaria. Water Azure Water Strider was Pandaria only, and the Crimson one was Draenor only. It wasn't out entirely. It was just, these are only going to work in the continents in which you acquired them. 
Yeah. In Which, other words, past content. And not the, even the past content of Azeroth. No, not even like Azeroth itself. It was like, it's either going to work in Pandaria or it's going to work in Draenor, depending on which model you have. Um, Which was, people were kind of upset about that, including me, because I was like, well, that's why I got that mount, was because it walks on water. And, I mean, I understand their reasoning behind it, because their reasoning behind it was pretty much, people use these mounts all the time because they have the water walking and that means that all of these other cool mounts that we're making, people aren't going to use them, or they feel like they're forced not to use them because they want the one that has the water walking, which isn't really the case. I don't know about you guys, I, but I mean, I my, pull it out. It's it's on my hot bar, so I have it if I have to walk across the water. But usually, I'm using other mounts if I'm not. I don't even have this mount. See, my ugly. my suspicion is that they saw everyone in Alpha using them. Well, yeah, but you use it on Alpha because you want to get places. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, everyone on Alpha was using it because, uh, well, at least at first, the, the quests were broken to actually go to the zones. Plus, so you I mean, had to use it. Everyone on Alpha has it. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. it's just a mount that is there in your in your you have Everybody's every got it by mount. default. So, of course, you're going to pull that thing out. And you know? we, yeah. I remember us using it. We used it on the Alpha basically to, to explore. We yeah. jumped off of Dalaran and explored when yeah. you could do that. And and I mean, I still do that on the Alpha. Well, I don't now because it doesn't work on the Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> so what they said was that, um, you know, a lot of people were kind of upset about that. And then they said, OK, so we're going to we're going to fix it so that it only it, it, it works for like all past content and not Legion. Yeah. Now. Did they revert that too? Yep. I thought they, they reverted it all the way. Like they okay, were not so it's going to work everywhere again. Yeah. Even Legion stuff. That's yep. as far as I can tell. Yes, they, it's going to work everywhere again. They well, they listened to people's they real they listened to people and realized oh god this is going to be Draenor flying all over again uh-huh. abort 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 abort. Yeah, and, and I mean I don't like I said I don't know about other players I, I what what I ride around on on the alpha is not what I necessarily use on my day to day well I mean I have on live the, servers <laughs> I have the water stride amount on the on the alpha and I don't use it unless I'm actually going to be on water cuz yeah real talk it's a giant ugly bug I mean I, I like love the bug. I love how it looks. I think but... he's great, and I love what happens when you hit the space bar and he goes up in the air, and I think he's really <laughs> cool. But if I'm just going along the ground or whatever, I'll, I'll typically I'll pick a different mount, something with a low profile, mount. so that if I go in first person, I can take screenshots and it doesn't matter. See, I don't even pick my mounts. I have the favorited mounts, and then I have the favorited mount button. <laughs> and I push that button, and I go with whatever comes up. Yeah, I'm I'm a little more picky than that. Usually what happens is if I make a character on the alpha, I get out three mounts. One of them is the water strider. One of them is the uh, Grand Ex- Expedition Yak, so that I have the vendor accessible. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is whatever I feel like running around on the ground with, something that's low profile. I think on my shaman, it's like one of the cranes from Pandaria or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then like on another one, I've got like a horse that I ride around on. I mean, it's it's like I have those three. And then if I'm going to go in a watery area, then yeah, I'll get on the water strider. <laughs> if I think I'm going to be going in a watery area, I'll get on the water strider. But yeah. Yeah, I don't even... I, I even have it on the alpha and I barely ever use it. I only use it if I absolutely know I'm going to need it. Yeah. But uh, also this week, 
Overwatch had a big old dev chat and talked about a lot of new game modes and so forth. And since I'm not in the beta and have no idea what they're talking about at the time, I'm going to refer this to you guys because I know you're both in the beta. Well, it wasn't really they weren't talking about game modes and stuff like that. They were just talking about ranked play um, and how that would work. And the answer to that is they don't know yet. They're still in the middle of designing it. Kaplan, Kaplan did this video and it was he was basically talking about stuff that people in the community are talking about right now. Um, and one of those things is ranked play. And they haven't quite hammered down what they're going to do with the ranked play system for Overwatch just yet because they're still trying to figure out what would work best for the game with what they envision the game is going to be doing, like how they want people to play it. Um, and he he mentioned that it was kind of interesting because his idea of what ranked play was for was very different from like other people on the team, what their idea of ranked play was for. So they're kind of trying to figure out what that happy medium is. And then the other thing that was kind of interesting was he did address the whole closed beta thing and how there's a lot of people that really want to get into the beta and they can't right now. And he said that um, in an apparently he'd done an interview like a week or two ago where he said if he could have done it over, he probably would have just renamed it as an alpha because that would have told people what to expect. Weren't people more pissed that they gave it off to like streamers and like... Like, people seemed like, oh my gosh, Bliss is giving these out specifically so they can hype their game. I don't well, know. It's not even that. I mean, I did they give did they give a lot of beta keys to streamers? Yeah, but I, there's yeah. also just as many people who just started streaming because they got into Overwatch. And yeah, the reason exactly. that people are streaming it is so that people can see the game. You know, I don't think that really has any... I mean... Well, I think that that's just what the community response was. People, did, there has of. been. I'll, I, I can second that. I've seen people get pretty irate over the fact that they gave it to streamers and sites and so forth. And yeah, let's be honest. There is a certain amount of hype that that, that Blizzard wanted generated by that because we're not, you know, we're not naive. We know that that's the case. But I well, also they want people to write about their game. Yeah, sure. Obviously. Yeah. But but I mean that's not. I don't think that's ever like the first reason that they do anything for the no. very reason that they know anything they do is going to get talked about. Like they're in the, they're, Blizzard is one of those game companies right now that is in the position of they can release anything and it's going to get discussed. Yeah. Like, you know, they, they know it. They don't have to, they don't have to, for lack of a better word, pander to us. Um, but, but by getting people who, the thing about having people who are like professional streamers, a lot of them are also fairly dedicated players. Like if you look at the WoW community streamers, yeah, there. I mean, there are some people in the beta right now who are level like sixty something, and you know, Blizzard said a couple times it's gonna get reset. Like your stuff's not sticking around. Yeah, and they don't care. Like they want to play it, they want to stream it, they want to level and test it. Yeah, and that's so that Which that's is why good because that's like the purpose of the beta to begin with. He he was getting, saying he was saying in that video through, yeah. that he did that he wanted kind of a more traditional beta. And I'm kind of air quoting the words traditional, but basically something small kind of contained where you're focused on testing the content and not so much giving people sneak peeks of the game, that kind of thing. Yeah, and that is, um, that is unfortunately a consequence of how things have been in the past. And I'll specifically point to the Miss of Pandaria beta. Right. The Miss of Pandaria beta is the reason the, the word traditional beta has to be used for what is pretty much what betas have always been. Right, uh, and I wow. think, yeah. I think yeah, well, um, when he said that, that he should have gone back, like, if if they could go back, he should have just called it an alpha, because that yeah. would have given people a much clearer, 
you know, impression of what exactly to expect, like what it was going to be and mm-hmm. set their expectations at a certain level instead of, you know, you say the word beta, people think that they're going to, you know, automatically get in and be able to play this thing before it comes out. And he did apologize, too, which I thought was pretty solid of him. I like Kaplan. Yeah, he's, he's friendly. He's, cool. he's a friendly dude. All right. And at this point, I think we've we've actually talked about this for like 15 <laughs> minutes. So uh, we're going to move on to some emails because that's what we do here on the show. Uh, if you'd like your email read on the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, we accept emails from both this show and the, uh, the lore podcast. So, you know, please label them. Uh, that would be very helpful. But we'd like to listen we, pretty much anything, any subject. It can be lore. It can be uh, game mechanics. It can be, you know, what's your favorite Warcraft character? It can be a transmog question. It can be a transmog question. Please make it a transmog question. <laughs> we will talk your ear off about transmog. But the first email we have this week yeah. is from Dreamstrike. Uh, Amonthul Oceanic Horde. Um, Hi, Watchers. What are your favorite novels and short stories from the Blizzard universe? My personal favorite is probably The Last Guardian uh, and the War of the Ancients trilogy. I guess a special mention for sheer interest factor uh, in providing context for the time it was really it was released. Also, uh, some of the Diablo 3 short stories are amazing. Uh, all the best, Dreamstrike. Um, Anne? Oh, no, don't go with me first, because I'm going to okay, be going okay. over the yeah. list here. Uh, itch? Yeah. So I'll be honest. I haven't read many of the like outside un- outside game stuff. <gasps> I've yeah yeah yeah. Blasphemer. I've, no, we're okay with that. Yeah, I since they mentioned short stories, I actually really like the one. I can't remember what it's called, but the one about Sylvanas, where she goes back to Ice Crown um, after Arthas is defeated, and it kind of explains how she got the um, the Valkyr. Edge and, of Night. That yeah, one is by Dave Cosa. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that one. One because I, I love Forsaken and I love Sylvanas and I love the whole story and I you know, any more information I can get is awesome. But also because it's it's succinct but it kind of fills in the gaps and explains, you know, why did Sylvanas suddenly get to Valkyr at the start of Cataclysm? What's she doing with them? And I, I think it's really cool. Rossi? Oh, I mean, you know, having done this for a long time in terms of talking about game lore and so forth, uh first I'm gonna mention the story Wayfarer which is on the, the Blizzard site, and it's the Barbarian class story for Diablo 3 because it's by Cameron Drayton and it's Dayton, and it's really good. It's one of my favorite stories. It's one of the ones that makes me think that that guy absolutely could be the uh, Diablo 2 Barbarian. Um, the Diablo, In terms of Diablo novels, the Sin War books are actually really good. Um, they're really interesting, and they're not... I don't want to say that Blizzard has a house style. It doesn't really. It just tends to hire people to write stuff for them. But, I mean, certain authors have come up a few times. And the thing about the Sin War is, the Sin War is, is by Richard A. Knack. But it does not at all feel like the War of the Ancients, or anything you've ever read Knack write for um, World of Warcraft. It's, it's a very different, somewhat darker story. It, 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 it actually reminds me of some of the stuff he's putting out now. Like he's putting out like his own books. Like he's right. I think he's currently working on one that's kind of like a Chicago mobsters in the twenties dragons type book. And huh. the, the tone of stuff he's doing now reminds me of the Sin War a bit more. Sin War's a little darker. It's a little bit more fatalistic. Who is this? Um, Richard Knack. Oh yeah, he just released a new one. Yeah. Like so, just released a new one called um, Black City Saint. Yeah, that's the one I think with the yeah, dragons. Yeah, it just came out. So. uh I would say that Sin War is definitely a good one to look at. Um, in terms of World of Warcraft ones, I mean, the problem I have is that I know that my one of my favorites is one of Anne's favorites, so she's probably going to mention it. 
So I don't want to like. I'm trying to <laughs> deliberately not mention things. I think steal her answer. Yeah. Uh, I will. Do you want this. me to just go into my list? Yeah. Go okay. Ahead. Um, short stories, probably top of the list, unbroken, Mickey Nielsen. See, yeah, this is exactly what I was thinking was going to happen. And the whole reason I said that is because I know you're going to say it too. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll just I'll just sit by just the go. side while you just two. Just go ahead. It, it's it's basically how Draenei Shaman came to be, and it's also the story of Nobundu, and it's just really well written. Anything Nielsen does is kind of golden. But um, other stuff that I like, you know, you you say novels and. The thing is, is like there's certain novels that I like better than others, but it's not even really the whole of the novel. It's like either the main plot or the subplot of the novel. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like uh, Wolfheart. I really enjoyed Wolfheart. I think that that was probably Nack's best Warcraft book. And a lot of the reason that I liked it was because of that subplot interplay going on between Varian and Antwin. It was just kind of like, ooh, there was there was not happy, fun father-son times going on in that book. There was a lot of tension going on with that book, and it, and it had been building for a while. Um, Thrall, Twilight of the Aspects, I really liked that one. Um, I liked the time travel aspect of it, but I also liked that it called back to Golden's earlier books. So if you've read Lord of the Clans, if you've read Lord of the Clans, Twilight of the Aspects will have an entirely different impact on you. <laughs> And then, um, gosh, there's so many. There's so many. <laughs> there really is. Um, I liked the uh, the Warcraft manga series was actually pretty good. There were some good short stories in that. Because uh, the, the, the manga series was, uh, it was like anthologies, right? And there yeah. were just short comics in there. There was one in there about the Darkmoon Fair that was great. There was one that told the, the backstory of the Headless Horseman that Ooh. was great. Um, Track High Mountain. Yeah, Track High Mountain, but that those were good too. But I mean, a lot of the a lot of the manga books kind of got overlooked, almost I think, and they were really good. Um, short stories, short stories. I like I said, Unbroken is probably the highlight for me. But there are other ones that I like too. I really liked uh, the Gang Greymane one, Lord of His Pack. Mm-hmm. I thought that one was pretty good. Um, anything Gildaeus? Gildaeus has been kind of on my brain lately. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, was also an excellent comic series, by the way. And Ashbringer was an excellent comic series. If you <laughs> haven't read Ashbringer, you should go read that. Um, and I'm going to stop here and let so, today oh, Anne lists oh, off everything. Wait, also, um, the one that the one that was actually mentioned in the email, um, Last Guardian, was fantastic. And I wish that they had gotten Jeff Grubb to write another book. And okay, Rossi, your turn. Go quick. I will say that of the books they've put out, um, I think one of my favorites has actually been War Crimes. I that's War, the other War one Crimes. I've read. I, I really War liked War Crimes. I like the subplot in War Crimes. Sylvanas, yeah, Sylvanas' yeah. subplot in War Crimes is like the only time oh. I've ever liked Sylvanas as a character. It was so good. First off, because it showed that despite being a horrible undead monstrosity, she could still care about things. But that being a horrible undead monstrosity screwed up how she cared about things. <laughs> it was so you know, good. I love you so much that I will murder you, and then we will be together because you'll be dead too. And yeah. And it's like you get that she really means it. That she, you know, this isn't just a plot. It isn't like her planning to grab power. That when so you when you when you run into the Sylvanas who's plotting to grab power, she's doing that basically the way that somebody binge drinks or binge eats or binge anything's to fill a void. That Sylvanas's whole character. Hello, loud motorcycle outside my window. Um, <laughs> Sylvanas's whole character is in fact someone who is desperately trying to fill that void of not. You know, she's not alive. 
And she knows it and she can feel it constantly. She knows she's dead. It's, it's everything she feels. And it just, it really, they did an amazing job with that subplot. I like some of the rest of it too, but really it's Sylvanas and Verisa. And Verisa's murderousness in that book is just fantastic. One of the other things I liked about it was uh, if you hadn't read the other books, it's, it kind of gave you like a, I don't want to say clip show episode feel because that sort of, you know, undermines what it, how good it actually was, but it, it sort of kind of went over the, a lot of the other novels that had happened and filled you in. And it was, uh, yeah. Also, Taronda was brutal in it. Yeah. Taronda pretty... in a good way. Yeah, really yeah good exactly. Way. Like in a, in that way, Alex wants night elves to be more often. You get that sense that Taronda, Taronda Whisperwind might regret crushing you to achieve her goals, but she will absolutely crush you to achieve her goals. Yep. She'll just feel a little bad about it after. A little, but she'll ask Alun for forgiveness, and then it's all good. But Alun's four, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, and Unless in terms of short Alun stories, Alun is uh, Naru. Since I just got done writing uh, about him, the Vindicator Murad KYL I just wrote this week, I'll say um, the the two stories he was in, Prophet's Lesson and the Tillage. Prophet's one. Lesson, I forgot about that one. That was so good. Those two are really good stories. The Prophet's Lesson is the superior of the two, but the one where, uh, and I can't remember its name, I just know it's the Tillers one. I don't know the, the name of it off the top of my head. I just read it, too, so that's sad. Um, but the one where basically it's Murad versus a, a Dark Orc Shaman, and they face off by just staring at each other like characters in a Oh, Jack that one's movie. The Untamed Valley. It's by Robert Untamed Valley. Yeah. yeah, that one's also very good. And it's a good character moment for Murad, for Murad in that when he had his enemy beaten, and his enemy is an orc shaman who twists the elements, he's everything Murad has ever hated, and Murad like lets him live. So that's a good moment. I, I so I the thing is is that I like I put this question in because obviously Anne and I could have a lot to talk about, but at the same time, Anne and I could do the whole show on this. Like we could still be talking we- about. You know? We should do this on Lore Watch at some point. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so I feel like we have to move forward. So we should. Move on to the next email. This one is, as far as I can tell, is from Mare Brood. Mare Brood? Like a brood of like mares? a horse? I guess. Yeah, it smelled Mare, like a horse. Mare Brood, uh, level 100 everything, uh, plus duplicates, uh, Whisperwind. So, hey, Blizzard Watch crew, I love the podcast. I listen every week. Uh, my question for you guys is, when the consistent criticism of lack of content, do you think that the you know public betas are the main reason for it? I, I work in the software industry and I understand the need for proper beta testing, but I am wondering if the you know saturation of beta content is shorting the uh, window of the game. People may be getting you know burned out before game even launches, which you know greatly shortens the window for the current content. I avoid the betas for narrative-driven uh, games, so each WoW expansion tends to be to go a little further for me than my friends who play the beta. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on this, and uh, love the podcast, and keep up the great work. Uh, hmm. I'm gonna think I, about this one, Ian or Mitch. Which one? Let's go, Mitch. I, I don't. I don't really think that's the. I mean, I think maybe for some, but I think the beta only tests the you know X point patch of the game. So. You might get burned out of leveling or, uh, like, the first content patch, but it, it also, I guess, depends on how you play, too. Um, I think, I don't think the beta has to do with the complaints of lack of content, though, because the lack of content is more stuff isn't coming out frequently, and when it does come out, it's not content that's built to last. Um, 6.1, I think, is the prime example of a content patch that doesn't didn't really feel like a content patch. Um 
But when I played the beta, this is the most I've ever really played a beta. Usually I just do kind of the introductory zone because I don't want to burn out on leveling before it's released. But even still, I'm playing the beta right now. I'm doing maybe a dungeon a week, depending on how they're released. I'm leveling here and there. I'm not doing any of the raids, which is how I will play the game when it uh, is finally released. I have no idea what the content patches are going to be like. To me, the WoW's biggest problem as far as content goes is they don't, they either don't release stuff fast enough and or they don't release content that uh, lasts long enough in a meaningful way. Like, Tanan, sure, it's content that you can still be doing, but it, there's, you know, you get over the progression after a couple weeks and then you're done. And I think that when we're defining content here, when people say lack of content, they aren't talking about the content that you typically find in a beta. Because in a beta, what you're testing, like Mitch just said, you're testing the leveling content. You're testing level 100 to 110, for example, in Legion, or, you know, was 90 to 100 in Warlords of Draenor. That came out great. That looked fantastic. I had a lot of fun playing it on the beta, and I had a lot of fun playing it on live. It's not that content that people are concerned with. It's what comes after that. What comes after you hit level 100? What happens after you hit 110? And that's the kind of thing that you don't really test so much on the beta. Yeah, they do do some raid testing, but that isn't the be-all and end-all of what you do when you're max level, nor should it be. Um, and they didn't really have the garrison stuff implemented, you know, like the storylines and stuff that you do. Not not that I was aware of, anyway, in the Warlords beta. I don't know about you, Rossi, if you encountered mm, that or not. No, they were it really... They reset us so many times yeah, that I you, never actually reached max level, I don't think. <laughs> I, I got to max level on, on the uh, beta. No, I didn't. In fact, I got to level 99 on the beta, and then they reset us. They were doing us. character wipes fairly frequently. Yeah. That's so one thing I'm terrified of in Legion, is a character wipe, because I know at that point... It's gonna it's gonna be a pain, but well, the thing is, is I don't think it'll be as much of a pain in Legion though, because you don't have to do Tanan. Well, no, because it's it's well, number one, you don't have to do Tanan, of course, but um, also since since there's that dynamic scaling thing going on, you can yeah. start leveling in a completely different zone. It doesn't. You can level anywhere, any of the any of the yeah. starter zones. You can any pick of four, any of yeah. them, and it'll level around you. At the moment, we only have three, but yeah, the, there'll be four zones you can pick yeah azuna isn't open yet and that's wish azuna one. was open so i could skip stormheim for a while because oh my god i, I haven't finished stormheim, stormheim yet so don't uh, don't give oh, me yeah. any spoilers no, 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 no. that's not a spoiler i'm complaining about the intro to, to stormheim on horde oh okay which i hate and quite frankly i don't want to play it you know liz went back to it and it's changed a little bit apparently i need to go back and play through it again but apparently like dialogue's been added stuff has been shuffled See, a little bit i i remember the dialogue she was posting like i remember doing that a while right ago, but there's so. some other stuff in there too okay. and i need to go back and play through it again just to see what it, happened at, <laughs> at, at any rate though the, the point being you know it's i'm gonna say that you know here's my thing Ian mentioned the warlords the, a beta and i'll just say this when we tested the warlords beta it was nothing but rave reviews from i think just about everybody on staff who tested it because the leveling because content was exactly. so good. Leveling content was really great, and it's still one of the things I defend in Warlords. Warlords has a great leveling. It was fantastic. Story. It was so well done. But the problem was that we didn't really get our hands on anything beyond it, and part of that problem might have been there wasn't a lot done behind it. 
Well, but and then if you look you know, at like if you look at Warlords, the biggest problem with Warlords and its content drought is very simple. How many patches did Mists of Pandaria have? Four. Mm-hmm. How many patches did Warlords have? Two. Two. One and a half. One of them doesn't count because 6.1 dropped nothing. It was a technical Six, patch, really. 6.1 was what the garrison should have launched with. To yeah, be it was just it was a technical patch, and I don't think that they called it a content patch. I'm pretty sure they just said that this was going to be addressing mostly technical issues and whatnot. That just mean that when you look at the two expansions, uh, you got content at least a little content in every single miss patch, even if it was PvP content. There was a little, there was a little PVE along with it. Uh, I remember the the Battlefield Barons patch had like quest stuff and the Baron stuff and so forth. Yeah. There was content in every patch in in the Mr. Pandaria leveling cycle. Pandaria, in fact, was chock a block with content up until Siege came out. And, and really, and- I mean, if you look at Mr. Pandaria and you kind of like take away the fact that there was a year-long stretch of Siege of Orgrimmar where nothing came out. If you look at everything prior to that, it was a perfect expansion. It was really well done. It it was. And it was content literally like every two to three months, you got something. Maybe it was like, you know, the only thing it didn't do well, in my opinion, is it didn't capitalize on dungeons. Yeah, Yeah, they probably could have done that a little better. I remember up until Siege of Orgrimmar, though, people were like, oh my god, patches are coming out too fast. I'm not done with the previous stuff. Yeah, that (laughs) that is not something... That's not something you heard ever in Warlords. Yeah. Ever would, because I disagree on Tanan. I think Tanan's great. I still bring all... No, I like Tanan. But the point being, you know, it it isn't enough content for a year. And especially not enough content... Because it was all the content for six months previous. Like once you got to max level, let's let's assume you you played for a month and a half to get to max level. So you were max level at January of 2015. Then you had to wait till June of 2015 for the next content. Yeah. Of any kind. Yeah. And then, well, it's you know 2016. I don't know when your next content's going to be. I Could consistently, be I I consistently say, and you know, I say it over and over again. I picked the wrong expansion to take a break from raiding. This the yeah. raiding is amazing. Because the raiding is great, and and if I had if I had t- taken my raid break in Mists of Pandaria, I would have been fine. I wouldn't you, have been bored. I wouldn't have been looking for stuff to do because there was plenty to do. All of those patches introduced new reputations to grind. There were scenarios. There was there there was all kinds of alternate content besides just the raids to do. Stuff that had meaningful stories, stuff that had the kind of things that I look for, you know, when I'm not doing the raid thing. Warlords is missing that element, and I don't know where that element went, but I'm really hoping that they bring it back for Legion. (laughs) And there's no way to tell right now whether or not they're going to bring it back. The beta patch cycle has nothing to do with these issues. Yeah, beta's got nothing to do with any of it. The, The closest you can come to say is yes, if you play the beta a lot then when the Legion finally launches, it won't have that new game smell. I got but, real tired of Shadow Moon Valley. Yeah. Because I <laughs> that, played the heck out of that zone not, <laughs> over and over, and they reset us so many times that I, I played it, I think I played it like a dozen times. Yeah, I, I, it's not physically possible for me to be tired of Shadow Moon Valley, but I get what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. But it in was terms just of, a quick succession is all it was. See, in, ter- in terms it, of though, yeah. Okay, go on, Mitch. I was just going to say, like... One thing it seemed like Blizzard was starting to do well was like you had 6.2 and then 6.2.2 or whatever it was called was like two months later and then 
Two months after that, 6.2.3. And, like, they weren't major content patches, but they added time walking. They expanded time walking and then added Valor. And, like, I want, I still want major content patches, but I would be okay if it were, like, you get a 6.2, then a couple months later you get 6.2.3, and then you get a 6.3. Like, instead of uh, dumping it all at once. I understand. The, the thing we've, we've talked about before, especially when Cataclysm was, people talked about how they, they could have broken up their patches more. Like one yeah. of the things How many they patches did. did they have in vanilla, Rossi? Oh, uh, it was like one point one two or something. <laughs> yeah, they had one point twelve. Was I think the last one? Yeah, yeah. So and and I mean there was like uh, they had little patches coming out all the time in vanilla. Well, and the thing I, was was, was like a patch, a patch didn't have to be like a major content patch. A back patch then. could be on uh, in expansion. Like yeah. um, Maradon got a patch. Yeah, it got a patch. Yeah. I, I think did. I think it was Maradon and Dire Maul came out at the same time, didn't they? No, yeah. I think they were separate. Or was it Maradon and then later on they brought out Dire Maul? I think, I think Dire Maul was later. Dire Maul was later because he's right, because I remember farming for that book. The book, I, yeah. yeah. See, I remember, you know, little little Mitch, um, naive, was like, oh, it's the first Tuesday of the month. It's going to be a patch. Like, that was the expectation. And it was true for, like, the first eight or nine patches, I think. I remember there was a Tuesday, like, because I didn't follow blogs or read anything up on stuff. I just played the game, and when it was down for Tuesday maintenance, I expected it to be a patch on the first Tuesday of the month. And yeah, the first time that didn't happen, I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, so basically I think that we can round this one up to say no. At most, the beta patch cycle can make an individual a little bit more tired otherwise, but... It has nothing to do with what comes laughter, which is what would really affect people's expectation of how much content there is. Um, people want more stuff past intro, is what we're yeah. saying. Yeah. So, next it, email. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, the leveling experience that you take to get to max level, that's like the shortest part of an expansion cycle. Because people want to get to max level because they want to see all the stuff that there is to do at max level. And if there's not all that stuff to do at max level that's when they get burned out. That's when they get tired. Because that's when they're supposed to be getting to the meat of the game. And if it's not there, then there you go. Yeah, yeah. Next one is from Concert- Concerta, I think, or Concerta. I'm going to go with Concerta because I like Concerto. So, uh, From Ravencrest. Hello, all. On my server, which is not RP, there's a guild of people dedicated to Groot. Now, I've not seen the movie, but all I know about it is that <laughs> there is supposed to be a movie of, and Groot is a tree. Anyway... There's one leader with all slots filled with, you know, both merged servers with characters named Groot. They have a following <laughs> wow. of even more, and all they do is spam chat channels. Okay. I started out ignoring them, but there is just too many. I've tried reporting them, but nothing ever seems to change. So my question is, do you think that there is any chance that Blizzard will implement a complete battle.net ignore function so that I can ignore one the entire you know account is ignored, or maybe an entire guild ignore. Do you have any other suggestions <laughs> or you know possibilities? Thanks, Concerto Ravencrest. First off, I get that it's frustrating, but I am dying to go there now and watch Groot for a couple minutes. And see I Groot is I low. I love Groot, but I could I see where that would Groot. be really irritating. <laughs> yeah. I am Groot. I am I am Groot. <laughs> um. I kind Honestly. of, I kind of wish that they had the BattleNet yeah. wide ignore. You know, you know why I wish they had that? 
Why? So that if, if somebody was being a jerk in World of Warcraft and you ignored that character in World of Warcraft, number one, you wouldn't run into any of their alts or any of their characters or any of their... They couldn't make a level one alt to, like, mm-hmm. bug you after the fact. They, they, they just couldn't do it. They wouldn't be able to talk to you again. Number two, if that jerk is also playing, say, I don't know, Hearthstone or something, you won't run into them there either. Hello. And that would Hello. be great. Well played. Well played. Yeah. Well played. What is with that? I've watched my wife play this game because I don't really play Hearthstone that much. My wife plays it a lot. And it's like, why are you bothering me with emote spam? Oh, my God. This is the most trivial and annoying thing you could do. That's exactly it. It's that's the why most trivial it. and annoying thing they can do. That's, I just don't understand. That's why they're doing it. It's because... It's like, um, who, you, you were obviously raised by like a pack of wolves that don't like people. Actually, that's not true. Wolves are nice. But it would be it would be nice though. It would be nice that you know, or if I like run into a jerk on Overwatch or when Overwatch comes out and I don't want to, or like Heroes, if if I run into a jerk on Heroes and I throw them on Ignore, I'm not going to run into them in World of Warcraft either. Yeah. You know, I, I think that that would be that nice. Would be cool. a, I wish I they'd that. do that. <laughs> and the thing is, like, if you're in a party with someone, you can right click their name and says add battle tag friend. Like, so the technology's there. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm totally in agreement that that this is a thing that should happen. Like, uh, I just honestly ignore battle tag foe. That would be great. <laughs> I just I just include this email quite frankly for the group thing. I, I'll be honest because <laughs> it's just like you know I'm just like imagining how that happened. Not I mean, just that the I one guy started it. I understand but, the frustration, but I love group. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and and there we go. That that that's I got nothing. <laughs> like oh my god, I am Groot. Okay, next email is from, uh, he's kind of a friend of the show at this point, because we've done quite a few of his emails. Uh, this one's from Elemente, uh, Orc Shaman, who, every time I say his name, I, I want to say Elemente. Elemente. <laughs> I just, you know, you know, just, he, I, I just picture him at this point as an Orc Shaman with a kicking giant hat and like a rose in his teeth. Yes. Elemente. You know, he he seduces cake. the elements into following him. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I know that there are not supposed to be any dragons on Draenor, but why would Blizzard choose to display two quite prominent dragon skulls in Frostfire Ridge? One can be found in Grolux's lair, and the other near the entrance to the you know Blood Mall Slagmines dungeon. Uh, see inserted screenshots, and and Elemente has included uh, two screenshots of dragons on Draenor. So, um, his second one, I don't know that that's a dragon. I mean, it could be a dragon. It's you know, big and reptile looking, but it also looks kind of dinosaur-y. So, and we know there are dinosaur-type things on Draenor. I mean, at least we've run into some raptors and it, stuff. It might be just a big, giant dinosaur that is extinct because there are skulls all over the place. Yes. Um, and, and it wasn't actually a dragon. Yeah. But the first one, uh, kind of hard for me to say because, quite frankly, I can't really make this picture out. It's yeah, sort of I'm looking at it. Yeah, it's not too dark for me. It's just maybe it's a snake or yeah. a giant lizard. But we do we do know that there are big things wandering around Draenor. I mean, if you've been to Gorgrond, it's absolutely jam packed with gigantic things. So these certainly aren't out of the realm of things from Draenor. For that matter, I mean, there is a clan on Draenor. You know, the the Dragon Maw. So mm. uh, maybe they used to have dragons and they're all dead now. I don't know. Good question. Uh, you know, this is one of those things. I mean, the dark portal has dragons on it. So. Well, and the fairy dragons, maybe they're descendants of something that was more of a properish looking dragon at one point. 
Yeah, the fairy dragons on Draenor, it's like, they're so cute. And I, yet I keep thinking, wait a minute, you're like big sprite darters. Why are you here and not back on Azeroth? Did you migrate from Azeroth? They transcend reality. Yes. Little, <laughs> if you've ever played, like the one character I've played in, in Heroes is that sprite darter that just murders everybody. You're that, so good at murder. Yeah, that terrifying sprite darter. <laughs> I love that sprite darter. I think it's scary as Yeah, bright, Brightwing. Yes. The thing about sprite darters... Awesome. The thing about sprite darts for me too is that I I came up playing in vanilla with my wife and we did that quest real early, like the one. Oh, the one start- where you get the egg and you get to hatch yeah. the egg. And you have to end up going from like Feralos over to the hinterlands to do yes. it. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. that's always one of my early memories of of WoW is that is that quest is riding through the hinterlands with all these giant white wolves just appearing out of nowhere to savage us because we were several levels too low to be there. It's like, oh my god, it's, it's full of nothing but horrible, monstrous wolves that want to eat us. But like I, I want to hatch the eggs, so I need to go here. Yeah, it's pretty much my role at this place was to fight and die while my wife hatched an egg. It <laughs> set the pattern, really. The, the I was male, so Rossi, happy about, that was my off. first. I think that was my first non-combat pet, actually, on my first yeah. character, was the sprite darter. And, and I didn't realize that, oh, hey, non-combat pets were actually a thing. Until that point, because I got the egg, and it said the egg is, you know, going to hatch in, what was it, like a week? Something like that, yeah. Something like a week or so. So I'm waiting for this thing to hatch, and then it hatched, and I'm like, what is this? And you click on it, and it's like, oh, little sprite darter. Whoa, wait, pets are a thing? And then I realized, oh, there are vendors that sell cats. I I think my first may have been um, the cockroach from Undercity. I honestly, I have no idea. That's what that's the first I remember buying, but I probably had one before that. I think I bought the cats. I bought like every cat that that was there, and then I realized that these things actually took up inventory space. Yeah, because they you, did at the time. You didn't have a pet tab. You had to no. like carry it in your bags all the time. I so, had the warg. I remember getting the warg. The warg was the first. Well, I got yeah. that. Sprite, I got the sprite daughter obviously with my wife, but that was more for her. I just happened to finish the quest too. But then I found out you could get a warg pup. Yeah. And it was a pain in the butt to get. Man, oh, that was it ever. So I went and got myself a warg pup, and that was the one I had for the longest time. I still have that warg pup. Uh, he isn't renamed or anything. He's just warg pup. And See, I only I have think, one warg pup, so. I think I actually, because I watched a lot of G4. That's what got me into WoW, like what got me to buy it. And there was a cheat episode that talked about the tiny crimson whelplings. Yes. Um, yeah, and I think, so I think I actually learned about non-combat pets before I started playing the game. But yeah, that was uh, that was one I farmed for so long, and I think I sold, I got one, and I think I sold it for, I don't remember how much, but. Hey Mitch, when amount. did you start playing the game? I started playing in March of two thousand five, so like a couple months after it came out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah I've been I think I was on like spring break or midwinter break or whatever. I was such a cool dude. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if you'd been playing in vanilla or if you started in Burning Crusade because I think we've got a few people on staff who like started in Burning Crusade. Oh no, yeah, I I started out actually as a warlock, um, and then I leveled my warlock all the way up. And did you get to I, banish Gar's ads? I did before there were raid markers. <laughs> yeah, God, that, was that was fun, fun. wasn't it? I still remember we ha- we had a raid group and and we should probably move on at some point. But what the heck, it shows almost over anyway. Uh, we had a raid group that had so many warlocks that we banished all of Gar's ads. We banished. We had like eight warlocks, so we banished. Yeah. No, not eight. We had an, We banished half of Gar's ads, and then the other half were taken by like off tanks because we had so many DPS warriors. Yeah. 
Um, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, because you could, you could tank in any spec. Right. Yeah. And um, the way that our raid leader did it was, like, he would target a particular ad, and, and he would... He would then he would yeah call the name assist me okay you've got it good moving on and then he that's, targets yeah, that's the next exactly one yeah that's exactly how we did it I think we had like a I forget what the add-on was called but it was KT assist or something yeah it was CT something rate assist. assist I don't I don't know if it, oh yeah it was CT rate assist um <laughs> and the the main tanks like however many of them would target one and it would be like all right you're assisting so and so but then Gar's ads would like. It wasn't just that they went they in a shift. circle. They would go they all over the place. Yeah. Would they go through him and under him and around him? <laughs> yep. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Keep in mind that I was like, before we, we hit upon the solution of having the warlocks banish every single one of them, I was one of those people tanking one of those ads. Yeah. So oh, yeah. it was a nightmare for me to keep track of my ad. I would like target this, it and be like, oh God, I moved did, out of range. Did they, they used to move out of range. back then? No. Oh. No. Okay, yeah. So uh, this was, was when banish 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 would break early. You had to you had to keep track of the one you were on, like because yeah. your banish could break. Uh, there were no markers. It, yeah, so I got to do that as the a warlock. The funny part about it though was that it took longer to set up than it took to actually do the fight. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bar itself was a fairly straightforward fight once yeah, you got the ads under control. It was but... just getting the ads aside. And we did it like two different ways. Like we had the like originally what we would do was like banish like three, uh, tank five and like kill two, but not kill all of them until you kill Gar. Right. Because you don't want to kill too many of them because Gar gets buffed. Right. Oh. But you want to get you want to get rid of some of them just so you don't have to deal with all of them. You want to reduce the load of like because you just pointed out there's no focus. There's no, you know, there's you have to keep your guy targeted essentially, but yeah. obviously you can't keep your guy targeted because you have to DPS Gar. Yeah. So there's there was a lot of so we, we had a lot of different strategies until we finally hit upon the banish all of them and just burn Gar. And yep. keep in mind this was an Alliance Guild. We didn't have bloodlust back then. Oh, that's right. There was no bloodlust. <laughs> there was no wind fury. All we had were pally blessings where the pallies had to buff every three minutes. Well, you had we freaking had salvation though. Might. Yeah. So uh, we basically were. It was, you know, get Gar down before the banishes break, because once the banishes break, we're going to have eight ads to banish. Yeah. All right. Well, we should probably... That's the do we have time for that last one? Let me see what it is, but maybe we... I think we do. Uh, let's give it a shot. Sure. Uh, greetings, Watchers. I've heard Matt say on the show that any race can be a warrior because it doesn't require any special magical ability. I've also heard you say that paladins are priests who put are an armor and picked up a sword. So... Does that mean that you know any priest could decide to be a paladin? In game, there's only a few races that are paladins, but lore-wise, can any priest choose to become a paladin? Is there some restriction that would you know prevent a Pandaren priest from going pally? Love the show. May your days be long and your hardships few. Uh, Valeris uh, Stormrage. There's quite a few restrictions. One of the first ones is that only one race got paladins that way, and that's humans. Yeah. And humans taught dwarves paladining directly. Dwarves picked it up from just knowing humans. Like you're like, well, so you hit people, but with light. And yeah, and your accent's terrible, by the way. Sorry, it's just <laughs> for a bit in a show. But you know, basically, that's the only the the Dren I have had paladins forever, and they didn't do it like the priests becoming paladins way. They have it as a specific tradition that they've always had. Now, if you look at Horde side. The Blood Elves essentially stole Paladin, you know, the, the Paladin arts. They got a they got a Naru and they figured out how to do it. Now, Lady Diadrin was a priest. Yeah. But she lost her faith. She and she lost her connection to the light when that yeah. happened. 
She didn't. Which pick is up... in which is in um, what's Shadow that novella called? It's not Shadow of the Sun, is it? No, not not in the Shadow of the Sun. I don't know. Um, one that just came out though. It's a fairly new novella, isn't it? It was yeah. It was in the Warcraft novella, hmm. and I forget what it was called exactly. You keep talking. I'll look it up. Well, so, I was gonna look so it up because I have the page open. But yeah, basically, a, it's blood not, of the highborn. That's what it was. Okay. Basically, what we're saying is that yeah, it worked for one group, but that one group, it's not a question of just any priests. It's specific priests, and even the first paladin group wasn't all ex-priests. Um, in fact, of the five of them, I think only uh, Lothar was a priest. Turalyon wasn't. Was Lothar uh, a priest? I think he was the only one who was even like a priest initiate. Or are you talking about Uther? Sorry, you're right, Uther. My my bad. I meant. I'm like that. Lothar was a warrior. What no, are you so, talking about? <laughs> so theoretically, though, what what's stopping uh, like a, a priest or even was, mage, I guess, what's what stopping saying. someone from saying, "Hey, I suddenly want to study this magic and become well, this class." That's what I'm getting at. Basically, in order to do it in the first place, you have to have a discipline for arms. You have to be good with weapons. You have to have a natural talent for it. Most priests don't. Uh, so that stops you right there. Secondly, you have to have a tradition where someone teaches it to you. Uh, Lady Liadrin only got to be a paladin because she literally stole it. She didn't like, you know, she's an exceptional individual who figured out how to steal that ability and use it in a martial way. There's not, you know, most priests aren't dedicated arms masters. So they're so, not going to be able to pick up a sword and do it. it. It's not in game terms. We can do this because we've rolled the character, but in the world, it's very rare to have that combination. It, so like, it would have to be like 80s training montage for a class to really do that. Well, like, look at a pony, a pony Brightmane, who's the, the Tauren who learned how to become a paladin. She basically discovered the old... Uh, she, she already knew what Anshi, right? Yeah. And she knew that her people had a tradition of being able to do these kind of things. And she, she was already a warrior. Like, she was up there fighting. And it's kind of it actually seems to be easier for people who already know how to fight to pick up paladin magic than it does people who know how to cast magic because they already understand the hard part, which is the arms mastery stuff doing like faith-based magic is basically just about faith. It's not about strength. So it's harder to be a paladin from the strength's perspective because you have to train that you do. It's not, it doesn't matter how much you believe you should be good with a sword. You have to actually be good with a sword. So, but I mean, it's not completely outside the realm of possibility, I guess. I mean, would you agree on or, I don't think it's necessarily beyond the realm of possibility, but, like, it's one of those things that, I mean, okay, Pandaren Priest was the example. Um, it's interesting because the Pandaren, they don't really have a connection to the light so much, and part of that is because they were so isolationist. But if you go through and you do the, uh, is it the Alliance? Yeah, it's the Alliance starting chain. And you get to Stormwind and you're walking through the storm, walking through Stormwind and you, you know, when you walk by NPCs, they have things to say. And one of them says something about the light and the Pandaren that's with you says, what's the light? The guy that hits things with his face. Yeah. <laughs> he has no idea. <laughs> he has no idea what this thing is. And, and that's kind of like the, the common perception for Pandaren is they just, they don't. It's not something they have a lot of experience with because they weren't obviously they weren't around to learn it for from humanity. Is it something that they could learn? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think anybody could learn anything over a given period of time if they had like the aptitude for it. But again, it'd take a period of time. And it's not um, really something they'd socially be likely to learn. No. Yeah. I don't think so. 
So but, in theory, you know, yes, possible practically, because not really. It's a magical really. land with both yeah. dragons and dinosaurs simultaneously. So. Yes. Confusing paleontologists everywhere. <laughs> oh, wait, does this one have wings and four legs? Oh, then this is a dragon. Oh, I hate this. I was <laughs> yeah. Man, I was totally going to classify this as a really big devil sore. Ah, it's so confusing. Exactly. But, uh, okay, that's basically the show. So at this point, Anne? Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much. Uh, also, like to thank Mitch for showing up today. This has yeah. been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, I'm Matt Rossi. I'm the host, and we'll see you next week. 